Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week, we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 53. We've got an interview today with a master custom woodworker, Jory Brigham. Now, he's a self-made woodworker who's created a name for himself with a unique style and an amazing design and craftsmanship. He talks with us about his journey to find his niche, how he keeps his passion for woodworking alive, and his love-hate relationship with walnut ping-pong tables. With features in Apartment Therapy, Architect Magazine, and Forbes Magazine, Jory has quickly become a major influence in the woodworking and furniture community. Winning the Spike TV show Framework in 2015, Jory showed off his incredible eye for design and his talent for creation. He has a custom line of his own furniture now and has classes available to the everyday man and woman who want to build just like him. And before we get started in with this interview, we want to thank some of our new patrons this week. We had Zach Peterson and Rich 17 Designs. Thank you guys for joining the patron squad over there. If you want to support the show and get some cool rewards like access to our patron-only after show, head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. Without further ado, here's our interview with Jory Brigham. Okay, guys, we are here with an amazing furniture maker. Excited to talk to him about his journey and his furniture style. Jory Brigham, how's it going, buddy? Welcome to Made for Profit. Good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, man. We are, uh, and if you guys have not checked out Jory's stuff, uh, go check out his Instagram page. It's probably the easiest way to to do it. A lot of our folks are here on Instagram. Uh, Jory, your designs, the first time I saw your work, uh, I was just blown away by your your eye and design and that kind of fusion uh, of of modern and and Asian. It's just like your designs are so unique. Like once you see one of your pieces, you you can immediately be like, oh wow, that's that's a Jory Brigham piece. Every time you see another one, so and it's it's been awesome to see your work. And and I know you and John had a chance to hang out recently, so we're super excited to talk to you today. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. We uh, I saw John uh, a few weeks ago, I guess, in Cleveland. First time I'd gone back and forth on Instagram with him, but it was, it was good to meet him, and it's good to meet you. Absolutely, yeah. We're, we've just been talking recently about Instagram and how it forges all these relationships. So it's really cool. We're we're glad that we were able to meet up with you and get you on the show. I think that's one of the the. I mean, I have this love hate for social media, but on the spectrum of what I love about it, it, it really brings all these woodworkers together, and and it's amazing how small the community actually is. You know, and it's just that, as simple as that. It's it's funny just reaching out to somebody and getting a reply and just starting the relationship like that. It's it's that's definitely my favorite part about it. Yeah, you're able Absolutely. to, I mean, I, for instance, I was prodding Jory yesterday for his expertise in concrete. Um, and, and I think that Instagram provides a lot of value in that type of stuff where you're able to meet people who are doing things at a, at a higher level than you are. And I was fortunate that you were willing to help me. Um, but, you know, Brad and I try to do that all the time um, because you never know when that one one in, instance is going to turn into something ridiculously fruitful down the road. And uh, that's just been, it's a gateway. Uh, yeah, that's just been yeah. like the, the snowball of Instagram for us. But 
It is. But, but before we get into too much about Instagram and the other topics, why don't for some of the folks, uh, because I, and I just discovered you a while back, but why don't for our folks in the audience who may not know your work and uh, who you are and what you do, why don't you share us Share with us a little bit about what you do and also how you got started. Oh, man. How long do you want this to last for? <laughs> Why don't we do the cliff notes and then we'll dive in deeper as we go into the interview. Yeah, okay. You just tell me to speed up if I am blagging. Um, you know, I, I started, my, my dad uh, went to uh, school for architecture, um, but he decided he didn't really want to do that. So it was, you know, I grew up in a home where my dad built, you know, houses from the ground up. Um, he would do everything from, you know, the foundation to the framing to the kitchen cabinets. And, um, you know, so I was just around that all the time. I was homeschooled and drove, I typically drove my mom nuts. So she sent me to work with my dad at a pretty young age. Um, and I think what that provided for me was just being real comfortable with tools. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, still one of the things that I, that I, I am so grateful for was just being around it you know, um, it's, it's worth so much. And as a kid, just seeing my dad doing, um, pretty much everything, I, I think just gave me a sense of, of not being intimidated by taking things on. Um, and so, you know, growing up, I, I, I worked with him more of necessity. It was the only thing I knew how to do. And, you know, you always reach a certain age, um, especially in those teenage years where you want to do everything but what your dad's doing or you just don't want to be working with him and, and you guys butt heads like crazy. Um, and I, I totally went through that and I, I didn't think woodworking was anything I, I really wanted to do. In fact, I, I, I wanted to be a chef and I want to go to culinary school because I enjoy cooking. And, um, you know, it was, it, it, it until, so I grew up in Hawaii, um, and I moved to California, um, when I was 18 and um, my uncle builds furniture. In fact, my whole family on my dad's side uh, does woodworking, uh, which means I, I guess I never had a chance. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, we, and we also had this background of design. Um, you know, my great grandpa was Frank Lloyd Wright's chief draftsman. So he was an architect. And, and um, wow. you know, just growing up in, in that, and we, we, you know, we had all his books and, and you know, um, and then my dad. And, and so there was split between design and, and woodworking. Um, and so I, I say that just cause I, I, I guess it was bound to happen. Um, but anyway, getting back to, you know, moved to California, um, started working with my uncle, my dad moved here short, sh shortly after. And like I said, it was really the only thing I knew how to do. Um, and so I did it out of, you know, just to make money looking that I'd probably do something down the road other than woodworking. Um, and at this point it was basically, I, I was building other people's designs. You know, I mean, even when I was a kid, my dad would tell me what to do and I, I would do it. And then working for my uncle, um, you know, he'd have a set of plans. I do that. And, um, I think it was when I, I, I had this idea to build, um, it was like a dresser. Um, and, and I asked my uncle, Hey, if, if I built this in, you know, in, in his style and all, um, would you see if you can sell it to one of the stores that you sell through? And he said, yes. And I built it. And, and I remember it was here in Carmel, California. Um, and they put it in the window and it sold like right away. And I remember that just that feeling of, of being so stoked that somebody liked what you built, you know, mm -hmm. so much to, to pay money for it. And then I think that was kind of, you know, so much to put in their home and, and, you know, have it a part of their life. 
Um, I think that was what resonated with me and, and just kind of fired me up. Um, so then I kind of got that bug in, in, in me looking at, man, designing, that's what's fun. You know, coming up with something in your head and, and executing it, that is what I like to do. And it brought this whole new meaning to woodworking for me. And so I, I just started coming up with ideas and building it and selling it. And um, um, I, I, I built something and sold it to a, um, a local gallery here in San Luis Obispo. And um, then, you know, and I'll try to speed this up for you guys. And uh, <laughs> there was uh, um, someone who saw it. They, they, they offered me, you know, hey, if you want to move, it was, you know, about half an hour away. You know, I'll, I'll set you up in the shop. And we'll do this and that. And, and it just kind of snowballed into, um, you know, being able to build whatever I wanted to. And I really had the freedom to do that. And I think that's what changed my direction was, um, you know, when someone believes in you enough and, and will say, hey, you can build whatever you want, you know, within a certain, you know, limitation, of course, it's got to fit in the house and it's got to go with the style. But basically, I had a lot of freedom and I was able to, um, I think I was just able to, grow a lot faster than a lot of people have the opportunity to. And, um, you know, I was able to kind of, you know, find my style. And at, at this point I was doing rustic style. Um, and, and so it was very, it, it lends itself to, you know, a, you can make certain mistakes and get away with it. I feel with rustic and, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so I was doing that and then, you know, um, you know, years went by and I slowly changed that style, but definitely using a lot of those styles and going, going through all these different styles when woodworking allows you to kind of cherry pick what you love about certain styles and leave the rest. And, um, you're, when, when you're not forced to only work within a different, with one style the whole time, you can kind of explore different ways of, of stretching this style and, like I said, take what you want from it, leave the rest. And, um, yeah, that's, that's in a very short version. Um, that's kind of how I ended up to where I am now. Nice. So, so would you say, I, I love that idea of going through and like, cause if, if some like just myself, because I've not you know looked at your whole portfolio, what you've done in the past, seeing your work right now and hearing you say, Oh yeah, I used to build rustic stuff is like, what? <laughs> because, <laughs> because your, your designs are so far from rustic today. Uh, and, and seeing that, so is, is most of, so right now you're, you're selling furniture. Are you, do you sell on commission or more on you make it in the, you know, more of like an artist type where you make it and then whoever buys it, or do you ever take the commissions? Um, no, I mean, I, it's, I would say it's half and half, maybe, maybe a little bit more, maybe, you know, 60, 40, um, on heavy on my stock pieces. Um, I'd say the ping pong table is probably what I do the most. Totally sick of it, but um. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is amazing. This walnut ping pong table, just uh, mid, kind of mid century modernish type look. It's th that is the ping pong table to rule all. Ping -pong Man, I, I you know it's I'm, I I get I don't like building something twice in a row. I don't mind doing it twice sometimes, but third time and you know I think this is, we we have an, on order our six or six ping pong table this year. And so it, it gets to the point where I'm just like, man, I, 
need to find a way to streamline them. And, and typically when I design something, I somehow come up with the most complicated way to build it. And so each time is just <laughs> dreadful. But, you know, I mean, there's, I, I, I say this meaning um, I love building and I guess I've been spoiled to do what I want. So it's really not that bad having to build these things. It's probably way better than most people have when they're having to sit behind a cubicle. But, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, kind of back to your, you, you know, you said it's amazing. I, I do rustic. It's, it's funny though. I, I can see how you, how, how you can think that, but when, I'm designing something, certain elements and ideas of, you know, that rustic stuff has such personality and such character. And even just lately, we're doing these, these, these doors and these windows where I'm, I'm mixing the old growth fur with walnut and brass and doing this, this whole thing where I'm like, mm. I probably would never have come up with that idea unless I had that background in, in working with certain materials. So I think there's something to be said for, you know, each stage of life that you're in, each stage of woodworking, you know, your, your, your style, um, years down the road, couldn't come back and, and kind of teach you a little something. Yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. Cause I mean, like Brad said, a, a ton of walnut furniture, I mean like tons of walnut furniture. Right. And, um, I saw that post of yours with the, uh, barnwood, the old fur, and I actually, I, I messaged him and was like, well, stuff's starting to look like mine, Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming back. <laughs> coming for you. But I, I think I think it's interesting um, what you touched on there when it comes to design aesthetic because people get so stuck in terms or they get so stuck in definitions of you know what certain things are. Um, and when it comes down to it, you can make any type of material essentially look beautiful. Um, and with that, you know, it really does come down to the craftsmanship of it, right? I mean, you don't have to be using the most expensive woods on the planet in order to build very high-end furniture. Um, and so I know a lot of our listeners are like, you know, I only get an opportunity to work with X type of species because it's what my clients want. But that doesn't necessarily force you into uh, producing a lesser quality piece um, just because you, it might be a hundred-year-old, you know, Douglas fir compared to mahogany or something. But so I love this interesting twist that you're starting to incorporate, or like you said, you've been working on with that stuff. I mean, do you find, um, do you find that you kind of just do whatever and you don't, when you're explaining this to a client, you're like, well, listen, I'll just kind of get it done. Or are you like, well, it's going to be a rustic, traditional, modern, mid-century, contemporary uh, piece. (laughs) You know, like what you just said, John, about, you know, you, you get a client and they want you to work within the realms of a certain material. I, I think it's very important for, you know, us as woodworkers or designers or the one with the vision, um, you know, it's, it's, it's up to us to really um, communicate that sometimes. And, and, and sometimes a client will come to you and say, hey, look, my house is this style. And in their head, they think that it, it has to be done in the same material in order for it to have this flow. And I think that there's many ways to go about that, you know, um, Sometimes, of course, it is within the material, but a lot of times it's in that style. It's, it's, it's in the design. There are certain aspects of, um, you know, uh, interior um, that you can pick up to reflect the style of the client and get it in a creative way, not just jump to the, you know, which is kind of a cop-out. Well, I'll just use the same exact material and it, it'll work. Um, there, there, there's ways to go about that. And then for us who have that vision, that's where it becomes the hard part is how do you, you know, communicate that? Um, is it through a sketch? Is it through a sample? Um, and, and that I guess is to each their own. Um, I've kind of gone through all those. I'm not a great sketcher. Um, I don't believe too much in SketchUp. 
um, when trying to communicate a, a, an idea because I think SketchUp takes away a lot of that soul. You know, you can't really communicate the, the, the texture or the true color of it. And to me, that has so much to do with the design. Um, and I think that's what people have to, you know, realize is that, you know, um, getting a certain look can be not just through the material. Um, you can use a less expensive, you know, material if that's within the budget. But there's ways to make that creative and there's ways to make it, you know, individual to your style. Um, and it's, and, and there's ways to make it unique. Um, and it's thinking outside the box really. Um, and, and, and coming up with something that is your style is your idea. Um, and then executing it. Yeah. So Jory, looking at your work and, and just hearing you talk. So immediately, so I am, I am, I'm an engineer by schooling and I think very linear, I think, you know, in equations and straight lines, you know, if it was up to me, I'd make everything shaker. Um, because I like straight lines. Uh, when I when I look at, at your pieces and your design, uh, you know, like I, like I I can't connect. I just I, I don't know how to do that. No, some sometimes that comes innately. And obviously with your background, you know, you're kind of like set up with your background and your exposure uh, coming up. But how did you you know, is that something that is really just came to you naturally? Or do you have schooling in design? Like, how did you because when I hear you talk about that, about the vision and about what this looks like, I'm like, I don't even know where I would, <laughs> where I would start. Like, how, how did you get there? And in, in your how did you come up with uh, your designs and your style? Is that kind of innate or, or did you have schooling and background in that as well? Well, I, I no, I mean, schooling, definitely not. I'm, I'm terrible at school. Um, and, um, you know, and, and to go back to, you know, it's it's into you got to find a way to, to get what's out in your head in your own way. And I've worked with a lot of engineers and I have a lot of respect for the way that they come up with stuff, although it's completely different than mine. So I get what you're saying. Um, and the approach for me. So when I explain it, of course, it's going to be the way my brain works. Um, and my brain works in an odd way. I think, you know, I, I have a very, um, distinct, you know, my imagination I see very clearly. And so I don't have to draw out, my ideas, I just start. I mean, typically I don't put anything on paper. Um, I have it in my head. And the reason why I don't put it on paper is because I am such a terrible, you know, sketcher. And a lot of times I have this idea in my head and it looks so great. And I'm so excited about it. And then I put it on paper, I'm like, oh God, that's terrible. <laughs> and then you kind of lose that 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 confidence. Um, and so, you know, for the way that I I I came up with my designs to answer your question is um I think in a somewhat organic way. Um, I very much design as I build. And so I try not to get stuck on anything too much, um, which is also my bone to pick with, you know, um, renderings and SketchUp is I think it's hard for people to deviate from an idea that, that they had. And it's even harder when they have an, an idea and they pitch it to their client and their client okays it. There's something in that that they feel like they are stuck on that. Because in order to deviate from that, they'd have to get it cleared with the client. And, and there is a problem with that because if they get it, you know, they, they say, hey, here's a new deviation. It's kind of on them. If it turns out bad, they're like, hey, well, I, I, I like the original one and you did this. So I think, you know, to find a way to be able to not get stuck on a certain um, rendering or design in the beginnings, give it a very ambiguous idea of what you want to do. 
and then have the freedom to design it and to deviate as you go. Because there's something to be said for when you're having the piece in front of you. Um, it's the color, it's the textures, it's the, it's the proportions. Um, at that point, you're in the position, the best position at that point to make a decision on what that piece needs. And it might look a little heavy based on the texture, something you would never have picked up on a rendering because of the color of the wood or the grain of the wood. Um, a perfect example is, John, I, you saw that piece I did out, out in Cleveland that he helped me on. Um, and, and that's a perfect example of I had this idea in my head and, you know, the, the doors had, you know, it was in my head, it was going to be a very, uh, simple grain pattern, nothing too crazy because I wanted the, the, the piece itself to kind of take, take the lead. Um, you know, the design of it, the, like the lines of it. And I was going to do an organic carving on the drawers. And then, um, we were doing the doors and we did a veneer because I didn't want it to move. So we made our own veneer and we found this great piece of wood. And, um, 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 I, I had this guy helping me, Joel, that, that wanted to, um, kind of do something with that. He, he had an idea and he found this great piece of wood that when he book matched it, it was just amazing. It looked like these wings almost. And I loved it, but it had to take me in a different direction. So at that point I was like, man, I like this piece of wood so much. Let's use it. Let's put a latch on it. But I had to make whole new drawer fronts because the drawer fronts with the drawer fronts, it was too much. And I think that's a perfect example of going, you have to kind of roll with the punches. You get too stuck on something. I would not have been able to do that. Would not have been able to use those, those doors and you have to be open to it. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, the basis of what I'm saying is just as much as possible, leave that, you know, the, the doors open to being able to take a direction that you might not have been able to see. Yeah. Yeah. I run into that quite often with custom work is you'll be working on the piece itself specifically, and you'll have your general concept, um, on what you gave the client and what they're looking for, but you'll find like that, that, that piece of wood or something like in the design that you're like, Ooh, this could work so much better. Um, and it's tough when you're sharing renderings all the time. Um, cause I, cause I fall into that, you know, I'll be going back and forth and wanting approval and opinions. And then I'll be like, Oh, but this like void is amazing or something. And if I, you know, if I, if I filled it or backlit it, like this piece could really have like a super unique aspect, but I got to go to the client and get approval. Or do you just take the leap and do it yourself and then show up and like, Hey, hope you like this kind of thing. So I can completely understand where you're coming from there. Um, so being that you don't do drawings uh, typically or use it like a modeling program, how do you um, communicate, you know, designs to a client? <laughs> I use my arms a lot and I explain it. Wizard, <laughs> wizardry. Yeah. It's about yay big. Yeah. Uh, look yeah, like yeah. I mean, God, I, I always wonder what I look like when I'm, I, I like to explain it in person, which is, is not always what we're, we're able to do, but um, I do a lot of samples. Um, and luckily right now I have a portfolio where I can um, take certain pieces and go look at, I use this texture on, on this piece. Um, I'd like to, you know, um, partner that up with this style and this, this material and to kind of create um, uh, a picture in their head of the, a vague picture in, in their head of what it might look like and combine that with, luckily I, I work with, uh, people that I've worked with before for the most part. So when it comes for a designer and architect, I have people that I've been working with for a while. And um, I 
would much rather work with them unless I meet someone new and they're able to give me that same freedom. Um, so luckily I'm able to kind of pick and choose a little bit of those jobs that I want to do. And, um, you know, this will probably lead into our conversation down the road, but I still pick those jobs that, um, are the most challenging. I'll have the most fun over the money, you know, cause if you always choose those jobs that someone goes, cause inevitably it goes like this. Hey, I love that job you did for so-and-so. Um, can you do one of those for me? And you go, ah, and you know, it'd be easy to do because you've done it before and you could probably whip it out and you could probably make good money, but you go, man, the last thing I want to do is another one of those. So how about if I do something like that, but you give me some freedom to do this and this and this, and you know, you're making more work for yourself, but in the end they're, they feel like they're getting a deal because they're paying you the same as you know, their friend paid you for theirs, but you're kind of stepping it up a little bit. And, uh, and so they go, okay. And then you're able to grow. It's, it's challenging. And, and you didn't just do it for the money, but instead you learn something and hopefully lead to the next thing. And I've, I've had, you know, still, still to this day, um, my favorite client was this lady who, um, she didn't have a lot of money. And every time she came to me with an idea, she was like, Oh, but here's my budget. Every time I'm like, Oh, okay, well, let's just do it because she gave me the most freedom out of anybody I knew. She, she didn't even, you know, I just did what I wanted. It had to be a certain size. Yes. But other than that, it was, it was basically what I wanted to do. And every time I did a piece for her, I came up with a new texture. I came up with a new, new idea because I was able to let my mind just run wild. And, uh, looking back on that, man, I'm so glad I did because money comes and goes, you know, I mean, 10 years ago, that money would have been long gone. But what I did learn was so much out of every job that I did for her. And I did a bunch of stuff for her. And looking back on that, I'm so grateful that I, I, I took that opportunity to do something new because it led me to where I am now. I think I, I lo- this is amazing because we've talked about in previous shows how um, gaining learning experience from working with a client is a huge asset to anybody that's in custom building. You know, taking an opportunity, like you said, with this woman, um, in order to be re- like absurdly creative, you know, you take a little bit of a hit financially, but what you're able to do is create a product or, or build something that maybe is a little bit outside your skill set where you're learning something new or the design's got a little bit of a spin or a twist on it. And then down the line, when the next person comes looking for something similar, that's where you can truly get the price that it's worth or, you know, sure. build, build on it kind of thing. And we've talked about it in the past and, and I try to do it as often as I can, whether that's, you know, budgeting in a new tool that I would need for the build, knowing that the type of joinery is different or um, taking an opportunity to take a hit on price just to learn a skill. Um, you know, finding those clients isn't the easiest, but when you do have that opportunity, you have to capitalize on it, right? Because, I mean, you probably wouldn't trade those experiences for more money any day of the week. Absolutely not. Yeah. And, and I think it's a huge growth stepping stone for anybody in what we're doing, um, to get better is to take those opportunities to, to just go, you know, wild with creativity to a, to a, to a sense, um, and still be able to afford, you know, to make some money on it and not have to just sacrifice, um, and spend money on it in that sense. So anyone doing custom work, you know, that's a great piece of, you know, historic type advice that we've talked about on the show before is, if a client affords you the opportunity to do something ridiculously creative, you know, you might, you don't always have to beat them up on price because that will pay itself off down the road. Uh, yeah, so, so Joey, as you, and, and I'm, I'm sitting here just listening 
to your story and, and your outlook and and what I'm definitely hearing the undertone we talked about a little bit before we got started on the show is is just putting the passion for the woodworking first and the learning and the creativity. Um, when when you were starting out, it, it sounded like uh, it sounded like you know you, you put that that first piece that you asked your, for your uncle if you could make it that and then that got kind of recognized. Were you able to flow into that? Because I know what what a lot of our listeners fall into the trap of or, or they're, they're trying to figure out is that they get a lot of requests for like spec tables, you know, hey, I need a I need a 60 inch kitchen table walnut. Right. So like stuff where they don't have a lot of that creative freedom and that they get into that. Um, did you ever have that balance where it was like, OK, uh, you know, people just want these things or because you had that kind of knack for design and creativity early on that you were you were able to run with it earlier? Was there any struggle in the beginning before you really got established? Well, I think that 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 period in my life came when I was younger, um, just working for somebody else, you know, not not really even having the idea that I could do something else. So I built, I, 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 I brushed up on my skills. Um, and then I think it all came naturally and organically that when I had those, that, that, that set of skills, then it naturally comes, you're like, well, okay, well, what's next? I feel like I've got the hang of this. So when you say like the spec table, you know, that, that's a very um, important part of the process is that we have to go through those basic building skills because you have to learn how to build um, unless you know how to build and unless you really conquered, you know, all those tools and you learn the capabilities, which is another important thing. You know, I mean, tools have all these capabilities that people don't even give it credence for, you know, and I think that something that's important in order to establish your style is learn how to use a tool in a different way than the next guy. And you'll come up with a different style of woodworking. Um, and so until they, you know, building those spec tables, hopefully they can really hone in on their skills, their capabilities. Um, once you nail that down, then I think you can let your mind go wild and like, okay, I have these skills. What, what can I do with these skills? And it's going to start out slow. You know, you have to have that, that patience, I think. Um, and slowly come up with these deviations of what you did on the last project. Um, and it takes a long time, but you got to be okay with that. And, and, and then, you know, there, there's a certain amount of confidence that you have to have. Um, you know, I think that confidence is so important. Um, you know, yeah, you're going to have a little fear and that's natural and that's good, but you have to have the confidence that if I have this idea, if I approach a client, can I actually, you know, produce what I say I can do? And, uh, if you're sure of that, pretty sure. Um, then you go for it, you know, and, and, and hopefully that'll lead you to the next challenging project. So going through that, did you, did you ever pitch a client, uh, and it just went south and you had to pick up the pieces and, and make something work together like that? It just doesn't turn out in your head the way you thought it would or turn out in front of you the way you thought it would in your head. Um, gosh, you know, nothing, I, I mean, for sure things that they never knew about that went wrong with the build. Um, I mean, for sure things that took me twice as long and I was freaked out. Um, didn't, didn't know if I can really, um, produce what I said I could produce, but in the end, um, no, I've, I've never really had anybody, you know, that turn out bad. Um, definitely nightmares, like I said, in, in the building process, but luckily, no. I mean, I, I've also had projects that have cracked or done something like that, like we, we've all had. But uh, with the design specifically, no. 
Yeah, well, I think that's the great thing about woodworking, though, is that, you know, that, that there's that the old adage of, uh, you know, the skill of woodworker is is not their ability to make, it's the ability to cover up mistakes, you know, and, and, and pivot. So I think that's the beauty of, of woodworking is that, yeah, you could completely ruin a piece. We just go get another piece and redo that joint. And it's amazing that it's still, you know, it still happens so much. You know, it still happens, you know, once a week I do something like I should have known better, but let's fix that. And I think that learning how to fix it, be a great, a great fixer is, is what's, you know, in, in the end is, is probably so valuable. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that developing that skill comes, comes from experience. I mean, you, you can't just think about it. You've got to be right. Constantly trying to get better and can, can, I know I consume a ton of information on, um, on learning, um, as far as skill building and then trying to implement it. Uh, I remember specifically just helping you out with that build in Cleveland. We ran into a, like, a massive amount of problems and it's, it's, it was all in a sense of, you know, being outside of a comfortable place, you know, in the shop, everything had its solution because your building process is based around where you are. Um, getting outside your comfort zone though can add, I mean, you can start learning things about yourself real fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you, when you, when you move shops or when you're on an installation, you know, you got to get creative in those things. Um, what would you say is like, you know, have you had a moment where you were <laughs> in, in something that you were like, you know, thank goodness I had, uh, X experience in the past. Cause there's no way I'd have been able to do that. Cause I've been on installations where I was like, I'm using a tool and by no means the way it's supposed to be used um, to fix something. And like, you know, but you I just saw hope it that nobody sees you. <laughs> right. And you're, and that's it. And, and you hope, I mean, you have, a, have you had any catastrophe like that or something where you were like, you know, thank God I learned how to weld or whatever it might've been. Right. Um, I, I, I don't think in, in, in that process, I mean, sure. Looking back on it, you go, you, you, you utilize every tool that you had at that moment. You know, you reach deep into that, to that tool bag in, in, in your head and go, Oh man, okay. I think I've been through this once before, but it's also just a confidence of knowing that I've had a lot worse screw ups. You know, I mean, I've screwed up some, some, some things that you go, I'll never come back from this. Mm-hmm. And when you're done with it, you're like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't, I think I'm the only one who's ever going to know that this happened. Um, so it's just that confidence and that, that just takes, you know, years of, of fixing up your screw ups. Um, and each time you screw it up, you're going to definitely, you know, have a new, uh, a, a new skill that you're going to put in that bag and you go, okay, I remember, yeah, I can fix this by, you know, adding sawdust, this sawdust to this epoxy and, you know, this and that. Um, but it's, and that's so valuable. And that's, that's why going back to it, it's that patience is, man, you know, I see a lot of people that just want to be a woodworker and they want to jump to this, 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 um, this, this point in their life where they're just killing it. And I think woodworking especially is it just takes that time. It takes that practice more than anything. Um, you gotta, you gotta retain so much knowledge and that basically comes from just doing it. Unfortunately, you know, you can't read a book. You can't have someone tell you, you have to get in there. You have to start doing it. You got to make those mistakes. And you know, it's, it's going to take that time and you cannot just jump in and just be a great woodworker like that. Yeah. There's the, there's a journey, there's a journey to it. And I like that. I, I like that whole, you know, the idea of being confident in the recovery of it really love that because I think that's, that's so true is that if you go in 
you're the mistakes are going to happen. And I love that you said that too, about like that, you know, every week you're like, wow, I should have known. It's like, you know, we, I think we look at somebody like you and are like, oh dude, he just like, he snaps his finger and it just all goes together. Right. And it's just this magical, but uh, that everybody still makes those mistakes. Uh, transitioning a little bit over. So, you know, obviously this, this, the business podcast. So I, I want to dive into that a little bit deeper about um, with your mindset of kind of, keeping true to the, the the passion of woodworking and not so much, you know, more about the learning and not so much about the money. How has that progressed for you? And, you know, I'd imagine that with that comes struggles in like, okay, if, if I'm going to do this, where, how is this going to be financially viable? Like, you know, how, how has that journey gone? Like how, how, so maybe just real quick, like how, how long have you been, uh, you know, on your own doing custom commission work. I mean, it's, it's been quite a long time now. So this progression has been many, many years, right? Yeah. It's, it's been, um, I mean, I, I started doing, I, I guess when I was 19. Um, so 20 years now. Um, and, and it really, it really, I mean, and, and that's when I started doing it, for, you know, on, on my own. But I think looking back on it, the, what helped me was just completely, being completely naive, um, having no expectations, um, just going into it because um, I got a thrill and I enjoyed it and not really ever going, okay, well, I'm going to make a decent living off this. Um, you know, and, and, and going into this, I, I, it took me years and years to make a decent living. And it went through times in my life where I just was so broke. Um, and, you know, even now it's like, you know, don't have expectations. You know, you might build something. It might, you, it might not go big. Um, and I think just putting all those expectations aside and, and doing it because you still get that thrill. Like, why did you first start it? What was the reasoning behind that? Um, and, and then really making it, um, you know, wood, woodworking, especially it really, um, exudes this, this organic and this, this soul to it. My, you know, and, and I'm always using that, that, that term, you know, it's got to have soul and that soul comes from, you know, whoever's building it. And I think you really got to stay true to that, you know, of course, having fun with it, but, but really push the boundaries of, of your ideas. Um, and people are going to pick up on this and this can't, it's, it's gotta be a very genuine thing. You know, you can't fake this. Um, and that being said, I've, I've had people who have tried to help me with my Instagram and my social media. Um, I got some really talented friends who do it for a living and they, they tried to take it on. And I was like, they, they did it for a little bit. I was like, uh, uh-uh, no way, because I'm so picky about every little thing. And I'm not that good at it. I mean, I'm not that good at Instagram. I hardly ever post now. I was having this conversation yesterday. I'm like, man, I, I, I got to pay more attention to it. But you can't go down the road of being like, I'm just going to farm it out. I'm going to farm out everything, you know, um, do it, especially in the beginning. And I, I still feel that I, I'm in the beginning. Um, do it because it's, it's genuine to what you believe in still. And you're not just calling stuff in. Um, and I think that's going to have a huge effect down the road because people are going to pick up on that. Yeah. So as you went through that journey, I, I, I love kind of just the, the, the pure aspect of that. But as you go through that journey, right, I can imagine there's a time where you're like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing it the way I want it. And I'm doing it for the passion. And then that rent bill comes in, you know, the end of the month comes in like, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. when, when you were broke, like, did, did you dip back and be like, 
you know, when you're in the midst of one of these modern pieces, like be like, all right, I got to go do a, a rustic cabinet for somebody. Absolutely. I, pay the rent. I mean, absolutely. And that, that, that never changes, you know, I mean, I, I, I still, what I call just whoring myself out on, on, on things, you know, you go, <laughs> I have to do this. I, it's not something I believe in, but luckily that's the end goal. You, you always go, well, if I do this, hopefully I can build whatever I want, you know, down the road. Um, so of course it, it, it's still life. It's gotta be realistic and you can't just go, I just want to do whatever I want. It has to be in a controlled situation where you go, okay, I'm going to do this job. I'm going to hate this job. I'm going to hate the next month and a half. You know, I'm going to be in a bad mood, but man, I can't wait in, in seven weeks to just do this idea in my head. And all of a sudden it gives you this, this, this purpose, you know, all of a sudden you don't feel as bad about, you know, doing this job. And in those times when you're hating it, you think about how fun it's going to be, you know, in, in, in a little bit just to be able to do that. And, and, uh, you know, you, you, that's how you get through those times. And, and I, I don't see any end in sight too much. I mean, I'm doing it less and less for sure, but I still get, you know, even the ping pong tables. I, I, I don't love doing them like I used to, cause I'm sick of them. And in my opinion, you know, if I had all the money in the, in the world, I would say I'm never going to build one of those again but I still got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's like the name of the game when it comes to being in the trades or, or being a, a craftsman is that you're going to have your staples, but you have to push outside of them. You know, like there's things that are going to, they're the money makers. They're going to be around, but as long as you continue to build on it, um, you know, you can progress and you can do it at a pretty decent pace. Uh, if you don't get like stuck with, where you're making money right now. Um, if you have dreams to do things, progress towards that goal. Don't just, you know, don't just think you're stuck in the moment. Um, because it can, I've noticed a lot of people who there's a, actually a couple businesses in Pittsburgh that have recently closed their doors because they, you know, were, were building stuff and they were doing some great work, but they weren't progressing to where they wanted their business to go. Um, and, and it's sad because if you, you know, if you put your mind to it, I believe all of us can take what we want to where we want it to be. Um, but, but you have to understand that there's parts of it, business that are stepping stones, you know, just because right now you're crushing out ping pong tables, you're not going to be the ping pong guy forever. If you set your mind to not being the ping pong guy. Um, and we've got a lot of listeners that are, you know, maybe doing small projects in their shop or at home. And those are what's selling right now. And, and those are the things that they seem to be coming known for um, <clears throat> that get a little disheartened because their brand is becoming associated with only doing, you know, cutting boards or mallets or whatever it might be. But if you take that and look at it as a stepping stone, you know, financially I'm here and then move it into the next segment, you can make some, you can make serious strides. Um, and I think it's, <laughs> yours is at a little different scale, but with that, you know, even the, even people performing at the top, like yourself, you're not always happy with doing spec work, even if it's your own spec, you know, <laughs> um, I think there's a lot to say in that. What, what, what do you say of, yeah, there's, but it also comes, it's gotta be combined with, with a way of life in, in, in a sense is, you know, yeah, have those, those, those goals that you, you're, you're doing here, but you want to be here, but that's also combined with, you know, I, I knew that I never really wanted to get in debt at a, at a certain age, you know, like I, I drove, you know, hideous cars and I, I, I knew that I wanted to put any extra money at that time that I got, I want to put it into the business, meaning, you know, building a new piece when I had a chance, when I had enough money saved up, I did an, a new piece. So, you know, if, if, if you have this, this, um, this, this vision of where you want your career to be, 
And if you have your whole heart into it, it's also got to be combined with these everyday choices. Um, you know, it's, it's probably going to be working, you know, 15 hour days. It's probably going to not be hanging out with your friends once in a while. It's probably going to be, you know, driving terrible cars and eating terrible food. Um, and that's something at, at, you know, the younger you are and the younger you get that obviously it makes it a bit easier. But, um, you know, I, I've talked to plenty of people that they go, oh man, I love what you're doing. You know, like, you know, tell me about how you got there and this and this. And, and you see it in their eyes immediately and, and, and you get a sense that they wouldn't really be willing to give up a certain lifestyle in order to do it. And that's why it's got to be combined. You know, if anybody has these dreams, you go, you know, it means so much to me that I, I know I want to get here. And, and those decisions, those life decisions will follow in. And, and hopefully, you know, in reflection, you'll see how you made those strides, not just, um, you know, in, in the, the project you chose to build, but also, you know, those decisions in life to, you know, not live a luxurious life for, you know, maybe your whole life being a woodworker, but you know, that's, that's, that's an easy, you know, um, you know, for, for me, it's, it's always been a pretty easy choice. Yeah. And I, I love that whole combination because it, it that, that's so true. I think that people also, I, I've seen it happen with, you know, people are trying to go into the business and then they're, they're trying to figure it out and they're working, you know, their tail off, but then, you know, they're driving a $70,000 truck that they're putting a payment on and like, you know, they're not making the right to, and they're in a, you know, $300,000 house that they're over-invested on and 300,000 that's cheap for California. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So I, was, I was trying to keep it, I was trying to keep it tame, but yeah, that would be like a one bedroom <laughs> apartment. Uh, but exactly. And out there in California, but it's even, even worse. Yeah. You could be, yeah. Cause they've got the old like uh 99 year mortgage out there, you know, like and you never pay, yeah. you never pay uh principal. It's all interest. So Absolutely. Like that's a perfect example. And, uh, you know, just hearing you say that, like it's a total life choice and that the business and your life are, are as a woodworker, as as a craftsman or craftswoman, uh, that those are intertwined and your livelihood is your is your ability to, you know, stay invested in your business. And that is directly through how you live your life, too. I, I absolutely love hearing that, um, you know, as you've as you've done this, how how is that? Worked in because I've seen recently. I don't know how recently it is uh, that you're now teaching classes. Uh, is that is that something you've you've added? Was that because you have a passion? Like you all of a sudden like were like, hey man, I, I want to start teaching. Or was that you know how, what drove that decision? Was it more financial? or Was it more just to to pass on the knowledge or just to fulfill something that you've been wanting to do? I mean, I, I, I of course I, I of course think it's a, a combination. Um, like most things, I think it was mostly because it, it came in an organic way in a sense. I mean, I always had uh, people reaching out asking them, Hey, would you ever do a course? Have you ever thought about it? And, um, we moved on to this piece of property that it's on 13 acres. The shop is like my dream shop. Um, it's got a beautiful view and it's just, it's just out in the country. And when we bought the place, I was like, man, this is the place. This is the place that we can facilitate this. Because I, I always wanted, you know, my my last shop was in, in, in a full industrial space. It had no 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 mojo, no no soul, um, no view, and and um, I always want everything I do to have this, you know, this real personality to it. You know, I I, I want it to. If I'm going to offer up courses, I don't just want it to be, hey, here's how you would work. I want it to be an experience. Um, and so when we found this place, it just made sense. 
And to be honest with you, I, I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I do. Um, you know, it was like, well, we'll try it out. And I just really enjoy, I mean, we've met so many cool people um, and people all over the world, you know, so many different countries and we can go travel there and we can go, go visit them and we still keep in contact with a lot of them. And so, you know, and my whole family's involved, which is something I always wanted. This, that's why we moved to this property. I wanted, you know, to be, I wanted to work where my kids were. Um, I, I wanted to, them to be more a part of it. One of the family to be a part of it. And, and it's really given us the opportunity to intertwine the business um, with the family. And so, and then of, of course, yeah, it's, it's, it's also achieves the other goal of, um, you know, my, my lifelong goal has always been, I want to build whatever I want. You know, I, I want to just, be able to let my, you know, my brain run wild and, you know, just do whatever. And so this is kind of one step closer to that where we have these courses and we have a second source of, of income coming in and, and, you know, one step closer to be able to build whatever the heck I want to build. However, you know, it could be super weird um, and, and it could just be fun. And um, so that's kind of where we're at now. It's, it's going good. We're, we're, we're having a blast. We're doing, um, we offer a welding and woodworking course. We offer, um, we build a stool and then the third one is, uh, like an end table and, uh, it's a blast and people, you know, the return rates like 70 some percent people come back wow. and, and they just, you know, really love it. And of course that, that makes us feel good. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's been a really fun and unexpected, turn in my career. Yeah, it, it's been cool to see. And I've, I've seen um, some of the folks I follow who have gone to your classes. And then I've seen just through your feed, you know, everybody coming in, in and, and, you know, I, I just, like, I love that idea of the the learning and sharing. And I've not had an opportunity to go to a, a woodworking class, um, other than I've done some local community university things. But I really like the idea of the like, intensive you know, week long, and it's based around a, a project to do. Like, that's just really neat, because I think it's that that full immersion. And then like, from your side, are you based on the questions? Like, you know, are, are you learning yourself, you know, in, in a different way? Yeah. As you teach? Um, and and it's it's interesting, because um, what, what what he said earlier on about being a, you know, you know, there's like, we get a lot of you know, engineers in here. Um, and for some reason, engineers um, really love woodworking. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and we, I mean, it's amazing. We, we get probably 30% of the people come through here, um, you know, thinking that, that, that way. And it's um, been really good for me to, um, you know, because the questions they ask is just things I never even thought of. And, um, you know, there, there, there are certain techniques that we do where you see their, their mind and how, you know, their approach to it. And, um, you know, like stuff like that, I'm always learning, um, learning like, oh man, there, there's a different approach to this. There's a different way you look at it. And depending on that approach is going to have a different outcome. Um, and, and then, you know, of course people just having little tricks. There's so many tricks out there with woodworking and you, you get these people who are teaching you. So it's, it's really this wealth of knowledge that comes through. And, um, it's this community that everybody's kind of like, showing their tricks like, Hey, well, you can try it like this. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm always really open to that because that's how I love to learn, you know? And, and I think there's a lot of people who come to these courses thinking it's going to be this really strict curriculum of, you know, do this and that. And, and I mean, I am 
kind of self-taught in, in, in a sense when it comes to the furniture. And so my approach is definitely not a purist approach at all. You know, it's kind of like, you know, people see the things I do and the way I use tools and they're like, whoa, is that how you're supposed to do that? Um, but I think it's also freeing for people to, to know that woodworking doesn't have to be this very strict approach of you must do it like this. You have to do it like this. It could be a very much organic way of, you know, you're coming up with your own ways of doing it and see what works best for you. Yeah, that's, I mean, and I think that's the beauty of bringing people together and putting them in the same room while they do something. It's, it's cool to go to shows and stuff and get to talk and hang out, but it's so much different when you get tools in your hand, right? I mean, it, it has to be just such an incredible environment and everyone I've spoke to that's been there, um, has absolutely loved it. And, um, and a few of them actually gone back. Um, so you know, it's 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 definitely on my bucket list to come out to one of your classes because we'll I just want to I, I just want to see the shop. I mean, it looks incredible. Um, the the whole ambience you have around the courses um, and creating that experience over something that's transactional. I mean, we talk about that a lot on the show. Is you know creating that value add for any type of client, right? And essentially, you know, that's what it becomes in its transactional form is. You know, you buy the course, you show up. Well, you're you're going above and beyond to create that experience, at least from what I've heard from people that have been there. Um, and it sounds like it's going really well for you, which is awesome because, you know, it, it being able to share the knowledge that you have um, and what you've experienced uh, probably goes way further than you can comprehend or someone like ourselves can comprehend when you're when you're teaching someone who's up and coming or just getting into it. Um, and those are the kind of, uh, I guess, lifelong moments and experiences that keep someone into the hobby or keep someone into the yeah, trade for yeah. forever. I mean, that's, that's what life's all about is just creating this in, environment around you, um, that feeds your soul, you know? And, and, and that's, I mean, if we can get to, to, to that point and have a career that feeds our soul, then we're a step ahead of most people, I think. Yeah. As you, as you look at, uh, the attendance and the attendees, uh, how many of those folks are, are hobbyists versus actual professional or, or at least aspiring professional woodworkers? I would say it's, it's almost half and half. Um, you know, we, we actually deal a lot with um, people who work at Google and Facebook and um, all of that area because we're, we're not too far away from them. And we get a lot of those guys. Um, and, and those are people who are in the tech industry and, and, you know, have some money that they're able to have, you know, their garage is full of, of fed stools and, you know, and they are just hobbyists. They're not looking to ever, you know, take it in, in a direction. Well, we've actually had some that want to quit it, but you know, for, for, for the most part, they're just trying to gain more knowledge of, of how to feed their hobby. Um, and then I've had people who've been in the industry for, way longer than I've been around, you know, or they're a cabinet guy who wants to, you know, apply, you know, different ideas to cabinetry and make it a little bit more, uh, you, you know, unique. Um, and then we've had people who are just starting out who are looking for, you know, they want to learn how to build furniture in, in, in this way. And when I say in this way, of course, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Um, and those people are always asking me, you know, they're, they're always picking my brain on the side and going, Hey, so, you know, for this business and how'd you get here and how'd you get there? And, you know, so they're looking for the whole, you know, package. Like I want to learn how to build furniture, but I also want to learn how the hell to make in this crazy furniture world, you know, because it is, it's, it's such a different world. You know, I've had people try to help me who, who are great marketing people 
they know how to market the heck out of all kinds of stuff. But when it comes to woodworking, when it comes to marketing furniture, it's his bubble. And, and we've gone down so many routes and we've had to learn the hard way that it's unlike any other product that you're trying to market. And you have to, uh, uh, you know, approach it and, you know, with that mindset going into it. So, so what would you, uh, what would you say out of those learnings as we're wrapping up here, but from, from the learnings, like from just from a marketing perspective, what's been most beneficial for you as far as selling your products? Is it, is it word of mouth? Is it online? Is it, you know, what, what's, what's something that you've learned as you've gone through and figured out the uniqueness of marketing, woodworking projects and sales? Well, to be honest with you, I haven't figured that out yet. Um, but I, I, I do know certain <laughs> things that, that have helped and certain things that resonate with people. Um, and I, I don't know if it's, you know, completely true or not, but, but, but what I picked up on is, you know, when, when you're building a piece and, you know, it, it, it also, I'll say that it depends on, on the price point, um, you know, which is important. If, if you're trying to sell a piece of furniture, that's $10,000 you you have to treat it in in a, in a different way than if it's a thousand dollars, and and if you're selling it for something so much, you have to make sure that it is you're, you're selling something unique, um, something that somebody can't get anywhere else, and and also it's kind of the it's it, it's also selling a li- kind of a lifestyle. Um, it's it's you know people are going to look at this and there's going to be a story behind it. I think. Um, and so uh, that's something that luckily I've learned and, and just by accidents, you know, just be genuine about it. Um, you know, be, you know, it's, 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 it's okay. You know, I, I went through this, this phase where I had this guy helping me and his whole thing was, you know, act like you're huge, act like you're, you know, you're this huge company. You always say we, you never say I in an email, um, you know, you know, you do all these little tactics in order to trick people into thinking that, that you're this huge company and, and, you know, going into this and I learned so much working with this guy because, um, he was a great woodworker, but I never agreed with him. You know, I, I never felt like he was honest. I'd, I'd hear him on the phone and he'd be trying to play up certain things. And I just didn't feel right with that. And, and coming around to that, I really figured, you know, now I go, you know what, be honest. I'm, I'm a small company. You know, we're just a couple guys here and, and it's, it's not, you know, a huge company. And I think people are okay with that because they want something unique and, and they're okay if you toiled over it for, you know, weeks and you didn't use a CNC machine and you did all these things that actually put more personality into it. Yeah. Especially with the whole, you know, I think there's a big movement also with just the artisan and kind of getting back into that craft and artisan movement, it just kind of we feel that you know coming into the into the culture. You can see a lot more respect for that and a lot more interest in that, which I'm sure you're seeing also. You know, as you go into the classes, and I think that resonates with the customers too. And I think that there's, uh, especially for high end furniture, you know, to me, um, just personally, even like I would, I don't, well, I wouldn't want to buy something from a big company. I want to buy something from you like i want to know that oh yeah like oh, yeah, jewelry made this uh in his shop you know and, and that this wasn't some big piece that was uh you know like you said like the the soul of woodworking i love that and that uh you know you you lose the the more hands are on it the the less soul it has right like it, it's like the fewer hands the more the artisan touch and the craftsman feel uh that you get to it so I, yeah I, I love that idea and i think that you especially now it seems like that there's a lot more value in that and that, that there, there's a, a certain 
uh, ambiance or rather, you know, certain respect that it comes with like, hey, I'm this sole, sole person or this two man shop or three man shop doing this, not a huge corporation just jamming out. Sure, products. sure. And I think part of that is people, you know, like the, this guy who, who, who was doing this for, for me. Um, I, I think he wanted to create this, this stability or this credibility that, you know, if people are spending a lot of money, they want to feel like they got some, if something goes wrong you know, it's backed by a big company. But I think, like you said, I, th I think that's kind of phasing out. Um, and I think the more genuine you are about it and the less dicey you sound and, the, you know, the more believable you are. And I, I think all these add to that. And, and just to be real, um, you know, I, I think that's the trade-off. of You might not be this, this huge company, but you're going to stand behind your product only because you, you know, put just put your entire heart into it, you know. So anyway. Love it. Awesome. Well, hey, one, one thing we ask our, our guest is uh, if you had some advice or if you could have gotten some advice early on or some advice that you'd like to give people starting out, uh, trying to make it as a as a custom woodworker in your situation, you know, what what would that be? Well, I, I think um, one of the for me, looking back on it, things that I, I did without knowing um, was not having expectations. Um, you know, not going into it going, oh man, I'm going to make a ton of money or I'm going to be huge, but going into it, um, with low ex expectations going, I'm, I'm going to do this cause I love to do it. And, and then also combined with patience. You know, I mean, we're in a age where people want any, everything immediately. Um, they want recognition immediately. They, they, they want the money immediately, but you got to go into it, especially with woodworking with the thought of this is a lifelong thing. And it's going to take a long time before I'm any good. And it's going to be a long time before people are going to want to buy my stuff. So I have to make it inexpensive and a, a, you know affordable for them at this point. I'm not going to make any money, but um, I'm hoping that it'll come. You know, so it's just patience and low expectations, <laughs> basically. I think that could be said with everybody. That, that's what I always said with, you know, anybody I was dating before. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> expectations. That's, my, that's, that's the key for my relationships. So. That's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Jory, it's been awesome hearing some of your story and just, uh, I could just hear and see and feel the passion that you have for, for woodworking. And, and clearly, like, I, I didn't have to talk to you to see that. I just looked at your pieces and it, it you know, your pieces speak for themselves. So, Thank you. Uh, it, it's really awesome to hear some of the mindset and thoughts behind that. Well, good. Thanks. Thanks for uh, letting me have my spiel. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's been a pleasure, man. Um, you're, you're a very large inspiration to the community. I think you're aware of that. And, uh, it's, and we've absolutely loved having you on the show, dude. Um, and, and just some great, great advice throughout. Um, it's just littered in there. I'm, I'm excited to dive back into these notes and, and uh, get them, get them something. Um, get to get the people something on the website because this is this is awesome, man. Try to make something out of this. This whole. <laughs> I think my handwriting's the bigger issue here. I'm just looking like a bunch of squiggles. I guess. It's it's bad when you can't even read your own writing. But I oh, mean, this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Troy. Good talking to you. Take care. John, man, the passion that Troy has is so awesome, man. And also, if I could have just. A sliver, just a little tiny sliver of his design chops, I would be 15 times better. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I, I completely agree. The dude is tr a truly gifted designer and craftsman. I loved hearing about his thoughts on woodworking and the craft itself. Dude is just an amazing influence on all of us. Yeah, his, his the passion and the way he talks about it just 
seeps out of there. And I love the idea of the the soul of of the woodwork and woodworking. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in for this interview. And make sure you check out the show notes. You can head over to madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 53. And you can get links to Jory's website as well as his Instagram channel. You can go check out all of his work. Yeah, and speaking of Instagram, make sure you're following along with Made for Profit on Instagram at Made for Profit uh, to keep up with what we're doing on the daily. We're dropping knowledge bombs left and right over there and creating some super engaging conversation with our tribe. So make sure you're following along over on Instagram. Absolutely. All right, bro. Let's go hit this after show. Let's crush it. 